Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. We will continue with our lesson uh, this evening on the seven principles to kingdom advancing prayers. Seven principles to the kind of prayers that advance the kingdom of God. We have began teaching on these principles last Sunday and I'm going to read once again the foundational scripture that we read last week as, as, um, as we continue with our lesson. I will give a little bit of brief feedback and then we will continue with the teaching. Our foundational scripture was taken from the book of Samuel, chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 through to 18. There are tremendous principles or lessons that we can learn from the petition or the prayer that this ordinary woman of faith prayed and asked the Lord for. Her name was Hannah. So let's pick up and read that portion of Scripture once again. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And Hannah was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. You see, she was barren. She couldn't have children. In those days was a great humiliation and shame for the woman to be barren. And so she was in bitterness of soul, the word says, as she prayed and wept. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, and only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, 
and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way, and she did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Now, whenever we see a woman in the Bible, in the scriptures, is a type of a church. And this woman was barren, as I've mentioned to you. And she went to the Lord in prayer, but out of her prayer, we learn certain vitally important lessons when it comes to the prayer of intercession or the prayer of petition. The first principle that we've learned is that the primary goal of the prayer of petition or the prayer of intercession should be the advancement of God's kingdom and not just the fulfillment of our own immediate needs or desires, although that is legitimate and that is right. Now, that's what we've learned. That is the principle, the first principle. When we pray, our primary goal is to advance the kingdom of God. Just like our Lord Jesus taught us that when we pray, we should say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then, of course, later on in our prayers, Jesus taught us to pray for our daily needs. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. But before we do that, we first of all pray and ask in our petitions that God's interests and God's kingdom be advanced through our prayers of petition and intercession. We mentioned that spirit-led prayers are recorded in heaven. And such prayers, when they offered in faith by ordinary people, have changed the course of history and the destiny of nations. The second principle we learned is that kingdom advancement prayers must have prophetic insight if they are to go beyond our generation and affect the lives of others in the generations to come, affect our children, our grandchildren. In fact, I believe today that my children, the reason my children are walking in the Lord, and I believe that my grandchildren will continue to walk in the Lord just as their parents, is because through my prayers that I prayed many years ago, I carved a path for them to walk. Amen? Your prayers will affect your children and your children's children in the generations to come. God will honor your prayers and will answer your prayers and will reward you accordingly. Now, that is why I believe that such prayers need prophetic insight. What do we mean when we say they must have prophetic insight? What it means is that we should live so close to God's heart and his mind so that we will know by the Spirit the very things that our Heavenly Father desires to bring to pass 
through us on the earth than pray them through from the unseen realm into the physical seen realm. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will show you things to come. Why? So that you can pray into those things that God would bring them to pass in your life and in the life of your church and in the life of your loved ones. Jesus said in John 16 verse 13, The Holy Spirit shall not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So prophetic prayers must have an understanding of the mind and the purpose and the plans of God that he desires to bring to the earth and then through your prayers pray them through and bring them through. That's second, the second principle. You see, Hannah prayed such a prophetic prayer that embraced the desperate need of her nation in one of the darkest hours in the nation of Israel. You see, Israel was in desperate need of a prophetic leader, one who would represent the interests of the kingdom of God and one who would turn the heart of the nation back to God. Not like the previous high priest, Eli, who through compromise and through the sin of his children led the whole nation into a time of darkness where there was no vision or prophetic revelation from the Lord. And we did mention last week, we need to ask the Lord certain questions that are vitally important. Lord, what do you want to accomplish through my prayers in my sphere of influence? What do you want to bring into existence and give birth to through my prayers? You see, Hannah was an ordinary woman, a simple woman, a housewife. But the prayer she prayed brought into the earth Samuel. And Samuel became one of the greatest prophets of Israel that the nation has ever known. He was righteous, he was just, and he governed Israel for 40 years. But where did he come from? He came from an ordinary woman's prayer of desperation. So that was prophetic. Now, God wants to give you assignments, special missions. Like he has given me a mission, he's given you a mission. What is the mission that God has given you? You need to get that from the Lord. Amen. God will speak to you through his spirit. He will show you. There are certain things that God wants to birth through your prayers. You need to know what they are so that you can pray accordingly and accurately. Amen. The third principle we talked about last week is that we must find the courage and the strength in the Lord to rise above the reproach, above our failures, above our disappointments, and with our prayers give something to God that he can work with. You see, God will work in answer to your prayer. Someone said that it seems God will do nothing for humanity 
unless somebody asks him to. Amen. So we need, we need to find the courage that no matter what the challenge or the disappointment that we have experienced in the past, we must rise above that and with our prayers give something to God that he can work with. You see, Hannah experienced failure. She experienced humiliation for a long time. She could have easily given up in her disappointment and failure, but thank God she didn't give up. She pressed through and she pressed into the presence of God with her desperation. And God heard her prayer and she triumphed. Now, I believe, and the Lord has shown me this, many a kingdom prayer has been buried and silenced under a rubble of pain, under a rubble of failure and deep disappointments. The reason being is because so often we identify more with our failures and our pain and our grief rather than identify with our destiny in Christ. We allow the pain, we allow the hurt, we allow the disappointments to define who we are and what we can do rather than allowing the Lord and His Holy Word to rise up within us by the power of the Spirit and triumph in our place of prayer. You see, it is our choice whether the enemy will succeed in silencing us through opposition, through disappointments, or whether we will allow the Lord to rise up within us and pray accordingly. And we see here in this woman's prayer, Hannah rose above her bitterness of soul and above her anguish. She rose above the reproach and the humiliation of the adversary and gave such an offering to God in prayer which moved the heart and the hand of God on her behalf. She said to the Lord, listen to this, Remember me. Now that does not mean be mindful of me. What it means is that Lord, you have the power to do something about the situation that I am in. Remember your handmaid. Remember me. Do something about my situation. She went on and she presented the Lord with such a memorial offering which moved the heart and the hand of God on her behalf. She said, give me a man-child and I will give him back to you all the days of his life. And I've learned this, and I've seen it in operation, in my own life and in the lives of other people. When prayer is accompanied by sacrificial giving, it enters another dimension in the Spirit, which ultimately moves the heart and the hand of God on our behalf. And that's where we ended last week. Principle number four. Hannah, as we've read in that portion of scripture, she refused to be comforted by her husband's love. Read the whole chapter of 1 Samuel and you will see what I'm talking about. 
Hannah refused to be comforted by her husband's love. You see, her husband loved her. But she refused that comfort. And what did she do? She pushed through for an end to her barrenness. Now, sure the Lord will comfort us in our time of trial, in our time of discouragement, in our time of need, because He loves us. But let me say this. Shall we rest in that alone? Or shall we press in for final victory and end to our humiliation and barrenness? Listen, my brother, my sister. God wants you to be fruitful in the work of the Lord. Listen to me. God wants you to bear fruit for the glory of God. The fruit that God seeks and wants to see in your life is prayer fruit. God wants to answer your prayers. God wants to see the lives of other people being touched and blessed through your faith, through your sacrificial giving, and through your service to the Lord. Amen. He wants to see fruit. And sometimes we get so comfortable where we are. We get so engrossed with our daily activities. The word says that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things entering into our hearts choke the very word and the very life of God in us and we become unfruitful. And we need to rise up in the power of the Spirit and deal with the cares of life, deal with the deceitfulness of riches, and deal with the desire for other things that come so often in our daily lives to distract us from our God-given goal and our God-given purpose. And the place where we overcome is the place of prayer. You see, she refused to be comforted by her husband's love and she pressed into the presence of God demanding an end to her barrenness. Amen? Now let me say this, and I've said it before. Complacency is the number one killer of kingdom prayers. You see, when we become satisfied with where we are in our relationship with the Lord, when we are content and satisfied with what we have in terms of kingdom life and spiritual growth, then our voice in prayer is silenced. Why would you pray for more of God in your life if you're satisfied with what you have? Why would you seek God fervently in desperation when you think you have arrived in your spiritual walk with God? That is why I say that complacency is the number one enemy of kingdom prayers. And so through my experiences with the Lord, I have observed that there are times when God will sovereignly visit us and pour a spirit of prayer upon us, and we will pray fervently and passionately as we sense we are approaching a new season in our growth and in our lives. But in most times, God expects us to rise up and pray and stir up the gift of God within us without God initiating anything. 
That is why Paul writing to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift of God within you, which you have received by the laying on of my hands. We need to stir up the gift of God, the spirit of God within us. The things that God has deposited within us, we need to stir them up through our prayer and through our fellowship with God and His Word. That is our part. And God is not going to do your part. Amen. We need to get out of bed in the morning and get into our prayer closet and cry out to God, Lord, help me stir up the gift of God within me. You've deposited so much within me and I don't want to go to the grave filled with those things that you put in me. I want them out of me and I want them to bless humanity with the gifts that you've given me. And that's going to come through prayer, folks. It's not going to happen automatically. It's going to come through your stirring up yourself and getting hold of God in the place of prayer. Principle number five. Humility and submission to God's delegated authorities is indispensable if our prayers are to move heaven and shake earth. I'm going to say that once again. Humility and submission to God's delegated authorities is indispensable if our prayers are to move heaven and shake earth. Notice Hannah's attitude towards an insensitive spiritual leader who could not tell the difference between grief and drunkenness. Listen, and Hannah answered and said to the priest, No, my lord, because he accused her of being drunk. You see, her lips didn't move. She prayed with her heart, the Bible says. And the high priest thought that she was drunk. He didn't have any discernment whatsoever. He was so far from God, he couldn't tell the difference between a drunken woman and one who was in sorrowful, of sp sorrowful spirit and, 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 and desperate. And she said, put away your drink from you. Notice how Hannah responded. Notice her humility and her attitude toward her spiritual oversight. She said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. You see the, the attitude of that woman. I wonder sometimes if one of us accused one of the members of our congregation like that, what they would say to us. You know, one of the things that we lost in the church today that we need to recover is humility and respect for people in authority. Well, the word says, Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial or a devil's daughter. For out of the abundance of my complaint and my grief have I spoken unto the Lord. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. And so the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Notice that the answer to her prayer 
did not come directly from God, but it came through her spiritual oversight. When she explained her situation to the priest, he said to her, Go in peace, and the Lord God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she received that, and she believed what that priest said, and she went her way, and the Bible says she was no longer sorrowful, and her countenance was no longer sad. Principle number six. There has to come a time, folks, when we stop asking and petitioning and start believing that we have the petitions we have asked of God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 tells us that. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. That is called faith. That is called faith. When Eli confirmed to her that her prayer has been answered, the Bible says she went her way, she ate, she didn't fast anymore, and she was no longer sad. So there has to come a time when we believe we receive what we have petitioned God for. And John says, if we know that God hears us, Whatsoever we ask in accordance with his word, we know that we have the petitions we desired of him. I believe when we pray such kingdom prayers inspired by the Spirit of God, God drops something supernatural into our spirit that enables us to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God has heard and answered our prayer. That something supernatural is called the gift of faith, which is listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And I've experienced that gift a number of times when I have been praying for people. One of those things that comes to mind vividly was that many years ago, I was only about 18 months old in the Lord, and one of our members of our community went down to Cape Town to have an open heart surgery. And I began to, to, to have compassion for, for this guy. And I began to pray every single day for him while he was in Cape Town. The doctors called his family and they said, you better come. Your dad is not going to make it. He's on his deathbed. The doctors gave him no hope at all. But I persisted in prayer, and every single day I prayed for him. So one night, the Lord gives me a dream. I see this man sitting on a chair, dead. I walked up to him in my dream. I laid hands on him, and I said, In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he jumped out of the chair, and he started walking in my dream. Through that dream, God dropped the gift of faith in my spirit. So when everybody else was saying, Fortis is dying, I would say, no, he's not. He's coming back. 
People in my community thought I was crazy. But sure enough, he came back and he lived for a number of years afterwards. And I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord and walking with him. That's the gift of faith. When God drops it into your spirit, you know that you know that you know. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. You know that your petition has been answered and the answer is forthcoming. Now, I'm not talking about prayers that are offered by worldly and compromising believers. These, according to James, are not answered. In James chapter 4, he says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. You can't ask amiss so that you may consume it, he said, upon your lusts. When we pray, that's why I said to you, kingdom prayers have a goal. And the goal is the advancement of God's kingdom and the benefit of other people. You are praying for others so that God would intervene in their lives and do something about this situation. And finally, principle seven. This woman kept her promise and fulfilled her vow she made to the Lord. She said, O oh my Lord, as thy soul liveth, I am the woman that stood by the here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord, and as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. You see, God answered her prayer. She could have kept the child. You know, so many Christians today make a lot of promises. Oh, pastor, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. I'm going to do that. The moment the time comes for them to fulfill their vows or the promise, they walk away. But you know what? Kingdom people keep the promises they make to God as well as the promises they make to their fellow man. They follow through on the commitments no matter what the cost. So this woman said, give me a child, I'll give him back to you all the days of his life. And when the child was born, she brought the child to the temple, and there Samuel remained all the days of his life. What a wonderful testimony. And so we learn quite a, a lot from, from this woman, this ordinary woman. But the secret, I believe, that engulfs all that what we have said today is that she became desperate. Jesus said, The kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. There comes a time, my brother, my sister, where we need to become desperate with God. Desperate in our petitions. Desperate in our situations that we would not take no for an answer from God. That is why Jesus taught us to always pray and never faint and gave an example of a woman who came to the judge, a worldly judge, begging him to avenge her of her adversary. And the Bible says the judge would not have anything to do with her. But you know what? She kept coming and she kept persevering and she kept knocking on the door of that judge. So the judge said, 
Yo, this woman will wear me out. I'm going to grant her her petition. And Jesus said, look what the unjust judge said. How much more will your heavenly father grant your petitions or avenge his own elect who cried to him day and night? He wanted to teach us to persevere in prayer. Never give up because God hears your prayer. But there is an enemy that opposes the answers to our prayer. And that is why we have to remain steadfast and press in and persevere and push through until final victory, until you have a note of victory, until you know that your petition is heard through the gift of faith, you don't stop asking, you don't stop praying, you keep asking, you keep knocking, you keep interceding for the people that are dear to you. And there will come a time when God says, okay, you can put a smile on your face now, give me thanks and praise, your request has been granted. Folks, I pray that through these teachings on prayer that I've been giving you this past few weeks has helped you, or at least have aroused your interest in prayer, or have vitalized your prayer. And that's what I'd like to hear, you know, because prayer is the foundation of our spiritual lives, and we cannot neglect it. There is much at stake if we do not pray. But I trust that through the teaching and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God has stirred your heart on the value, on the importance of prayer, so that you may continue in that which God has given you to do. And I believe in the prayer closet, you're going to hear things that will blow your mind. And that's why even I said in our service this morning down in Limassol that people who pray see things that other people don't see. They hear things in the spirits that other people don't hear. Why? Because they live in another dimension, in the dimension of the spirit. When you pray, your heart becomes sensitive. You, you, are, you are so sensitive to the Spirit of God that you begin to pick up every whisper that the Spirit whispers to your spirit. You hear things other people don't hear. You, you see things other people don't see. And you wonder, why can't they see that? Why? Because they're not praying. They've fallen asleep in their spirit. But prayer will awake our spirits will sensitize our hearts, and we will begin to walk in step, in step with the Holy Spirit. He says, turn right, we turn right. He says, turn left, we turn left. He says, do this, we do it, and we say, yes, sir. And that's the kind of people that Jesus is looking for. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run throughout the earth, looking for those whose heart is loyal to him so that he can show himself great and mighty. God is looking for people who are open to his voice. There are missions, there are works that God wants to accomplish through you, my brother, my sister. When you become awake in prayer, you will find out what those things are. And you won't have to be told what to do. I sometimes, you know, pastors get discouraged. They ask for volunteers. 
They stand up on the pulpit day, Sunday after Sunday, asking for people, reminding people, don't forget your tithes, don't forget your offerings, don't forget we have need in the Sunday school room, don't forget we have... Why? You know, if people are in prayer, nobody has to tell them to do anything. The Spirit Himself will lead and guide us. The Spirit Himself will... will, will will arise within us and give us the unction, give us the desire to serve God with a joyful spirit and a joyful heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's be responsive to the Holy Spirit, especially in the place of prayer. Let's be responsive because when you pray and when you listen, you're going to hear things from the Spirit of God and from the heart of God. And for me, in my own experience, there's no greater joy than listening to God and executing that which you listen. You know, when I was in prayer with the other pastors and God began to show me all these pastors that were discouraged, I heard the Lord say, be a Barnabas to them. And when you go and, and when I went and ministered, so far I've ministered in two churches, both pastoral couples broke down in tears. They were so discouraged. They hugged me, the congregation hugged me and they say, you've heard from God. You know, you get such a joy that you know that you became an answer to people's prayers. How did I hear? How did I know? You know, I say to one of the pastors in two weeks, I think three weeks, God has given me two dreams about you. I know exactly where you are. I know exactly what you need. How did I know? Because I prayed for him. And when you pray for people, listen to me. The people you pray for, you will always carry them in your heart. Wherever you go, they will go with you. When they are in trouble, you will know it. When they go through challenges in life, your spirit will be alerted to their situation and the spirit will prompt you to pray for them. How do you know? We don't need phone calls. We don't need cell phones. We have Holy Spirit reception. You know because you're praying for them. And so I encourage you to pray for me, to pray for one another, to encourage one another. You know, sometimes there are, there are things, there are words that we cannot say not even over the phone, not, not even through words. In such times, you know what I do? I sit down and I write a letter to a person. I just express my gratitude, my appreciation, my encouragement, and I encourage them. Write a letter to someone who's discouraged, whom the Lord will show you. Encourage them. Bless them. Do something practical that will encourage the other person. You get more blessed than they do. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, our time is up once again, folks, and I'm going to pray for you and with you right now before we close. And then I'm going to give you a few minutes if you want to share something, if you want to uh, ask for prayer or whatever. Uh, I always love to hear from you. I always say that. And um, I love to receive an email, text message, and all of that. One of the things that, that I value and appreciate much is people who always keep in touch and keep in contact. 
I always respond rather than initiate. If you, if you reach out, you will find me there. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word today and for your encouragement. And Lord, thank you for your unspeakable gift in the person of the Holy Spirit. As we celebrate Pentecost today, thank you so very much for sending us another helper, as you've called him the Comforter, who has come to live within us, to guide us, to lead us, to become our very own teacher, our very own guide in all of the affairs of life. We thank you for the precious, precious person of the Holy Spirit. Teach us to honor him in our lives every single day, every moment. Teach us to listen to his promptings and instantly obey the voice of your Spirit. Thank you for each and every one within our spiritual family, Father. And we bless you today and thank you for your presence in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.